0: Welcome back to the Locked on Marlins podcast. We finally got live televised baseball yesterday for the Marlins and it was a blast to watch. Just so many takeaways. The Marlins did eventually drop it 10 to 9. Don't really care about the outcome because the Marlins offense looked great and not only did the Marlins offense look great, it was the offense that we're going to see moving forward, meaning the lineup that is probably going to be deployed for the first several weeks of the season, if not a majority of the season, depending on which prospects come in and out. The Marlins gave up eight runs in the eighth inning, which again, does not concern me very much because that was Adam Conley and Robert Duggar. And while those guys do project to be part of the bullpen, I would rather them get these strikes, so to speak, against their credibility and maybe opportunity in the bullpen. To happen now, so that when the season comes along, and if they do struggle, they're going to be running low on chances. Of course, I don't wish that on Duggar or Conley, but I think the Marlins are starting to see what they have in both of those guys, specifically Conley. I'm willing to give Duggar, you know, a break here. He has looked good at times, but with Conley, I'd rather him just show his shortcomings now, because. When it comes in the season, you blow an eight-game lead. That's the type of thing that stings. And in a 60-game season, that could be something that totally changes the course of the season. So I'm glad that the Marlins are finding out what they've got in their bullpen right now. Not too concerned about that again because... As I tweeted earlier yesterday, the Marlins have Stephen Tarpley, who cannot be worse than Adam Conley right now. They also have Brandon Kinsler, who is a right-hander, but has pretty impressive reverse splits, meaning he gets left-handers out at a much better rate than he gets out right-handers. And then Alex Vesia, another option that already looks better than Adam Conley and is younger, only 24 years old, more projectable, has a closer ceiling. And I'd rather see what he's got than, you know, Adam Conley has great stuff but I think at this point even if he does figure it out like a Brad Hand or an Andrew Miller, you know, where he figures it out much later, I don't think it's going to happen in Miami regardless if he does figure it out. I don't think you can beat up the Marlins if he figures it out somewhere else because it it might just be a change of scenery time for Adam Conley. I don't see him figuring anything out right now in a Marlins uniform. If he's going to, it's probably going to happen elsewhere, and it's time for both sides to move on. We'll see what the Marlins think about that. We'll talk about the offense, though, because that was a blast to watch, especially in the first few innings. The Marlins... There's no secret that this offense is going to be much better than last year's team or the year before that or the year before that. Besides 2017, this is the best offense we've seen in a while. And the difference between this team and 2017, of course, the 2017 offense was loaded, but this pitching staff is exponentially better than the 2017 pitching staff that was basically rotating random guys like Vance Worley and whoever they could pick up off the streets. So this is really exciting. And the fact that the Marlins have a competition for the fifth spot in the rotation is refreshing. And speaking of that competition, I will get into that as well with how Nick Neidert looked and some of the other pitchers that could vie for that spot, including Robert Duggar who struggled. But again, starting with the offense, Jonathan VR looks like he is the table setter that we expected him to be. And I try not to draw too many conclusions from just one ball game, but it's just more of what we saw from some of these guys that we didn't really have a chance to see in a normal game setting. We look at the numbers and Jonathan VR you know plays to that style, right? Like he gets on base a decent amount. You know, you'd like to see the on-base percentage a little bit higher because the batting average hovers around 270 range. He just doesn't walk too much. But the big reason why he doesn't walk too much is because he's in the leadoff spot and because he stole 40 bags last year, you're not going to pitch around him to get to the middle of the order. So he's not going to get on base at above a 340 clip probably, but he's so aggressive at the plate that that's the new style of leadoff hitter. And I loved what we saw from VR yesterday just attacking the baseball. Of course, he had the solo shot to center field. You're going to be able to expect plenty of power in the top of the lineup for the Marlins this year, which is very unique and something we hadn't seen in the past. Something I mentioned in one of the previous podcasts too is how the Marlins may not wow you with the number of home runs they'll hit this year. They are definitely going to be better than last year, last year's team that was dead last in the bigs with in home runs. But the the fact that the Marlins just about one through nine, everybody has some semblance of home run ability. And I know you could probably say that about any big leaguer, but I mean, in a 162-game season, with this starting lineup, just about every guy has 10-plus home run power. I would say maybe the biggest question would be Miguel Rojas, but Rojas found his power stroke last year, and we just saw him hit a home run last night. And I love Rojas in the 9-hole because he's like a second leadoff guy. And having a hitter like Miguel Rojas, who is very advanced, very professional, will do all the small things, sacrifice bunt, hit it to the right side when you need to get a runner over from second, and no outs. Do all of those little things in the 9-hole to set up back to the top of the order. It really is like a second leadoff hitter. And the fact that Rojas has now found a little bit of a power stroke, this could be an opportunity for the Marlins to pack a little bit more of a punch from the bottom of the order back to the top. And the fact that you can go 7 eight, 9 with... Jorge Alfaro and Rojas at 8 and 9. Aizen Diaz at 7. Maybe you switch Alfaro and Diaz. That's a lot of pop at the bottom of your order. And if Alfaro and Diaz are able to make strides, this order has some potential 1 through 9. So I really liked what we saw from top to bottom yesterday. And the fact that Jonathan VR is going to be a really good table setter is something that the Marlins did not have in previous seasons. As for Corey Dickerson... It was just so fun to watch Corey Dickerson do what he does. He is just very unique at the plate. I have talked time and time again about how much he adjusts in the middle of at-bats and at the plate. And he is the type of guy that is almost impervious to slumps because of his willingness to make adjustments. With two strikes, two times yesterday we saw him choke up a good inch and a half on the bat and just get the bat on the ball And he was able to drive in a couple runs doing so. This is a guy that is going to be great in the middle of the order because of his ability to put the bat on the ball. He has gone from striking out in the 25 to 30% range, cut it way down to well above average in the league. He was one of the worst in the league at hitting the elevated fastball. Now he is one of the better players in the league at hitting the elevated fastball. I mean, it's crazy how much he's been able to adjust and improve upon his weaknesses. I really liked what we saw from Corey Dickerson yesterday. Aguilar looked like the 2018 form of Jesus Aguilar, where he just was more aggressive, attacking the ball. And I think that he's accepting this role now more as the power guy in this lineup. And that might be something that he needed to have a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder. I'm very eager to see if this is sustainable for Aguilar. He looked good during the spring. Now you add yesterday's stats, he's hitting 3.23, including now and the spring if you count yesterday's game. So th- this is a guy that's very much trying to prove that last year was a fluke and that he can find that fringe all-star form that he he was at right before he slowed down last year a little bit. He did have glimpses of showing that last year. Garrett Cooper, you know, he's just going to do what he does and hit you to around 280, and in 162 game season, hit you 15, 20 bombs, and I don't expect anything different from Cooper in this season. Harold Ramirez made some adjustments at the plate, saw him kind of, you know, get away from closing himself off so much. We'll see if those start to translate because right now it looks like Harold Ramirez is going to be the outfielder starting for the season, but then. Once Monte Harrison is ready, I am happy to relegate Harold Ramirez to the bench just because of how much more Monte Harrison offers defensively and just the potential that he offers offensively. There is a little bit of a concern for me with an outfield of VR and Ramirez. I've talked about it in the past. VR doesn't have too much experience in the outfield. He is speedy. He does have the ability to close in on fly balls in the gap. But the routes, the throws, a little bit of everything with him. There's just a lack of experience, and in the small sample size, he has looked a little iffy in the outfield in the past. Hopefully, he's been working on that pretty hard. I'm not sure. We'll have to find out just by watching the season. He can't be worse than Harold Ramirez was at times last year in center, but having those two guys in right and in center is a little bit concerning. Uh, we'll see if either of them has have made strides defensively, but mo- moving forward, there might be the chance where, you know, if both of them are struggling in the outfield, Magnara Sierra might be an important late-inning uh, defensive replacement, and of course you have Lewis Brinson waiting to uh, hopefully eventually get back into the lineup, and he will offer gold glove potential in the outfield as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Marlins decide to do with Harold and whether they want to keep Jonathan VR in the outfield or eventually put him in a DH spot. The fact that the Marlins have so much defensive versatility is going to be something that works in their favor, but it's also going to create a lot of difficult decisions. And finally, Eisen Diaz. You know, he definitely had a rough game yesterday. There's no sugarcoating that. But... I think we need to be patient with Diaz. I know we're going to say, well, we were patient last year. It's time for him to get going. But he's a rhythmic hitter, which means he is all about getting... Into the flow of things, he's all about Robbie Cano. You you can listen to Robbie Cano talk about his swing, and they both look very similar. It's a lot about timing, a lot about rhythm, and you really only get that from taking more and more at bats. He looked very out of rhythm yesterday. I think that that will come back. He the one thing that was concerning was the fact that Fulton a, which was able to double up on the same pitch to get and Diaz. The changeup is going to be a little bit of an issue for him if he keeps waving at it like that on the outer half. But I do trust that he can make adjustments. He always has at every level. And let's just hope that more consistent at-bats can help him do it. And then, holy crap, Jesus Sanchez hit the ball so far. I I can't even believe it only went 416 feet because that looked like it went 540. And the fact is... Jesus Sanchez, we've heard about it time and time again, about his elite bat speed, about his elite raw power potential, and he just has not been able to tap into it in games. And most of that issue was pitch selection and launch angle. He has really worked hard on both of those things. If he can hone in on improving that launch angle and repeat the more improved launch angle that Rousen, I'm sure, will be in his ear about and has been working on him with, that's going to be so huge for Jesus Sanchez because that's where you can see that 30 home run potential that all these scouting blogs and Baseball America and MLB Pipeline are all talking about, but just you aren't seeing in the stat line. Now we're starting to see that power, and man, does he have that power. And you look at what Rouson was able to do with the Twins last year. Jesus Sanchez is a perfect candidate of some of the players that broke out with the twins last year. A guy that has that elite bat speed but just has not found a consistent home run stroke. It looks like Jesus Sanchez is starting to find it. Really excited about that. I'm gonna to get to Jose Urania in a minute here because there are some things that I liked about what I saw with him as well. But first, let me tell you about CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everybody needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. There is CBD Freeze with menthol, which is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief, for muscles and joints and a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. There's also CBD Recover, which combines the CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you support where you need and where it matters most. This is way better than Icy Hot because you get that cooling sensation, but it also has ingredients that help you heal and help you feel better beyond just the life of the cooling agent And you can get 25% off when you go to cbdmd.com. That's cbdmd.com and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB. That's three words, LOCKEDONMLB. For 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. That's promo code LOCKEDONMLB. And let me know what you think. So back to the Marlins. Jose Urania looked very solid yesterday. We'll go through the actual stat line three innings, two hits, no runs, two walks, 1K. So at this point, I think we've all learned to stop waiting for Jose Urania to strike out batters at even a decent rate. You know, we were expecting that when he first came up, we were just waiting on it as he continued to pitch in the bigs because of the fact that he throws 96. On average, but the reality is, he is just not going to strike batters out at the rate of most pitchers who throw 96 with an 86 mile per hour slider. And I think he's learned that as well. And the fact that he was in the 10th percentile in 2019 in strikeouts, it's a little bit concerning, but he has totally overhauled his arsenal and overhauled the way he pitches. Before it was a four seam fastball with the slider that he would mostly go to with the occasional changeup as well. Now he is throwing that sinker. It's a heavy two seam type of sinker. And he has steadily thrown that sinker more and more over the last couple seasons, but he never really fully committed to it. And now he's finally committing to that sinker and he's looked much better from spring training to now in this last outing here. Just to put it in context here, in 2017, he threw the four seamer 31% of the time and the sinker just about 20% of the time. Then in 2019, he phased the four seamer out to only 0.4% of the time, which means he only threw it a couple times. And the sinker was up to 63% usage last year. And I know you're thinking, well, he wasn't that good last year, but he also was not in the starting rotation too much, and he also had to adjust. To becoming more of a sinker ball pitcher and this is really important for me and this gives me a little bit of hope and as you know if you've listened in the past I am NOT a huge Jose Urania guy but the fact that he is now abandoning the I'm gonna blow a 96 mile per hour fastball by him and go to the slider and try and punch out a lot of guys it's just not his style because his secondary stuff is not sharp enough and his command is just not good enough he has routinely been in the bottom 10% of the league in exit velocity. But now when he commits to inducing weak contact, it helps him in a lot of ways. Because if you fall behind hitters, but you're a strikeout pitcher, it is much harder to climb back into the count. Because if they lay off that breaking ball, if they are you know, more disciplined and you don't get them to chase... They're going to be sitting on the pitches you're less comfortable throwing as you fall behind in the count. Now, Urania is even more of a victim of that because you look at Caleb Smith, for example, too. He is a strikeout pitcher, but he gave up so many bombs because he was falling behind hitters when he came back from injury. Now, Jose Urania is not going for the 10-12 strikeout outings because he's just not really capable of it. And when you fall behind hitters now, let's say 2-0, and they're sitting on that sinker, if you're able to locate it in the right spot, they're going to roll over on it. He got Freddie Freeman to do that twice to roll into two double plays. He could have got a couple other double plays to get out of innings. You know, you live on the edge a little bit when you have bad command and you're pitching to contact, but it's able to bail you out of some hitters counts because you're not... Banking on getting good hitters to swing and miss, you're banking on letting them get themselves out. You got eight guys around you in the infield. If you're able to get them to ground out or to get induce weak contact, that is something that's going to work in his favor, and it's something that works quite well for Sandy Alcantara. He's not the best strikeout pitcher in the world. He's a little, little bit better than Jose Urania, maybe a lot better than Jose Urania, because when he's on, he's got better wipeout pitches. But Sandy Alcantara's bread and butter is weak contact and getting hitters to get themselves out. The only difference is Alcantara has a little bit more strikeout stuff, and that's why he is pitching on opening day and Jose Urania is not, and why Alcantara has a higher ceiling and Urania does not. But if we're salvaging here a back-of-the-rotation arm that can give you, you know, a 10-and-10 10 10 type of season with a 4-2 ERA, it's so really arbitrary numbers, but if Jose Urania can do that, there's been plenty of sinker ballers in the past that can hover around a four ERA and anchor the back of your rotation. That would be great for the Marlins for multiple reasons to keep them competitive this year, but also to get some value out of him and try to trade him because he's only 28 years old and has some, control left so I do like what I saw I like that he is now turning into a sinker baller more than a strikeout guy and I'm going to keep an eye on this and see how he continues to use that in his favor but the fact that he's throwing it more than 60 something percent of the time I can't wait to see what the numbers are now this season how frequently he's going to be throwing it this season but that's going to be his bread and butter and I'm looking forward to seeing if he can continue to build upon it Marlon's playing a couple hours I'm really excited to see how they can build upon yesterday with the offensive output. A couple more bullpen arms I'm excited to see. Nick Neidert looked great yesterday, still making his case, even if he does not get that fifth spot in the rotation. I think Robert Duggar probably is looking like a long reliever, as I've said for a while now. It should just be Alicia Hernandez and Neidert and at this point. I haven't heard much about Jordan Yamamoto, but if those three guys are kind of rotating between long relief and that five spot until somebody sticks sticks out and looks impressive. I'm fine with that. Neidert looked really good disguising the ball, hiding it, and you could see why he's had so much success in the past. For me, I'd give it to Nydert, but I also really want to see what Alicia Hernandez can do just because of the flashes that he showed in the bigs last year and especially in hitter heaven, PCL in AAA, where he's one of the few pitchers to have ridiculously good numbers in that league. So we'll see what happens moving forward. I'm excited to see some baseball today. And of course, you can expect another podcast after today's game around four o'clock that'll be out and ready to go tomorrow around the same time. Hope you're doing well and hope you are geared up for this 2020 baseball season that we're so lucky to have. Let's appreciate it and let's enjoy some Marlins baseball.